All right. Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you today. My name is Paul. It's my joy to welcome you. And today I want to talk to you about the gorilla in the room. And the gorilla has a name and its name is addictions. This morning we're continuing on our series called Soul Detox. And we're learning about the things that lead us to live life with a healthy, vibrant soul. And we're also learning how to avoid the things that make our soul sick. And so as we talk about addictions, can I tell you, we have an outline for today's message. It's a light green sheet found in your program. Let me encourage, encourage you to take this out and use it to follow along. And can I let you know that this this monkey, this gorilla called addictions, is so strong that it can mess up your life, destroy your relationships, and steal your soul. Now, I don't know your own personal story, but I am confident of this. Just about every person in this room here tonight, your life has been touched by addictions. You know, for me, it feels like I've been dealing with addictions all of my life. I grew up in a home where where my dad, he was addicted to alcohol. He ended up deserting our family. My mom, shortly after that, she got so depressed, she turned to, to pain pills and she got addicted. And I saw the struggle that it put her through. My brother growing up, my younger brother in high school, he got in the wrong crowd, started partying. Once he got out of high school, it just led to a bad place. And he has spent the last 30 years of his life in and out of prison. And then as a pastor for the last 21 years right here in this church, I've seen countless people in our church, marriages and families devastated by this thing called addiction. Do you know one of the best verses from the Bible that describes what an addiction will do to your life is found in 2 Peter 2.19? I'd like us to look at this verse together on the top of your outline that says this. They are slaves to destructive habits, for a man is a slave of anything that has conquered him. Would you underline the phrase, slaves of destructive habits? Because that's what addictions do. They they turn you into a slave. Now, the formal definition of addiction goes like this. Addiction is a dependence on a substance like drugs or alcohol or activity like gambling or shopping to cope with everyday life. That's how Webster defines addiction. But can I tell you, the Bible has a real simple definition for addictions. Would you write this down? Addiction equals enslavement. Enslavement. And I want you to think with me for a second about the different things people get addicted to. People get addicted to to alcohol. People get addicted to cigarettes. People get addicted to pornography, drugs, you know, gambling little Texas holdup going on. And you look at all these different addictions here on this table that people deal with and you go, you know, Pastor Paul, you're right. Man, if people get caught up in this and it gets rude in their life, it's going to do a lot of damage. You know, these are, most people agree, yeah, these are dangerous and bad addictions. But why don't we shift over to this table and talk about some of our more socially acceptable addictions. Any of you have to ever deal with this addiction in your home? Addiction to video games? Or what about an addiction to, to shopping? Any really good shoppers out here out there today? Or oh, ooh, how did oh hey guys look at my phone was on the table. You guys can you hold on while I check my Facebook real quick? Oh my gosh. 
a puppy. <laughs> People get addicted to their social media, to their phone. They start living, instead of living life this way, they live their life this way. Addicted to social media, texting, or, or what about this? Anybody understand what this addiction is? Sugar, chocolate, cars, junk food, you know. A lot of people get food addictions. They turn to food to, to cope and feel better about their lives. And, and I don't know who put my coffee cup on this table. But I want to tell you, I don't have a caffeine addiction. I, drink, I just drink one pot, I mean, one cup a day. That's what I'm saying. Now, you look at all, all, these, all these. This is just a sampling of all the different things that people can get addicted to. And that's why I want to share with you today. I want to talk to you from God's word, from the Bible, how to get free from your addictions. And I want you to know as a foundation for this message, uh, I want you to hear very, before we talk about addictions, I want this to be the foundation. As you sit here today, right as you are, right where you are, God loves you. He loves you. Loves you just as you are. But he loves you too much to leave you here. He cares about your life. He doesn't want you to be in bondage to anything or any person or any addiction. In fact, Jesus said the reason he came was to show you God's love and to set you free. In fact, I love how he said it on the screen behind me in John 10, 10. He said these words. The thief, that's referring to Satan or the devil. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And you know one of the greatest ways he's accomplished that is through addictions. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And then Jesus says, but I have come that you may have life and life to the full. Guys, I want want us to be clear this morning. This morning, this is a life-giving message. This is about your life and how to have real life. And even if you're sitting here today and you're saying, well, I'm not really struggling with an addiction. Can I tell you, this message is still for you. Because we have all got to get better equipped on how to care for and help people who get trapped in an addiction. So this morning, let's talk about how to G-E-T-F-R-E-E, how to get free. And the G is, would you write this down? Here's where you start. You have to get real. Get real. The first step to freedom is I have to stop pretending. I have to stop trying to cover up my faults and hope nobody finds out. I've got to stop lying to myself. See, getting real means no more lies, no more saying, hey, it's not that big a deal. I don't really have a problem. I don't really have an addiction. I don't have a gorilla. Or, hey, my gorilla is not hurting anybody. Psalm 32, 4 and 5, such a great verse. Check this out on your outline. David writes these words. My dishonesty made me what? Do you know you get caught in an addiction, your life is... It's misery. My, my dishonesty made me miserable and filled my days with frustration until I finally got real. Till I finally admitted my sins and stopped trying to hide them. And then when that happens, and then God can work. And God forgave me. All my guilt is gone. God says, hey, just come clean. Get real. Just admit you've got a problem, and then I'll give you a new starting point. I'll help you. I'll forgive you, and I'll give you a brand new start in your life. It's the first step, friends. Do you understand? That's why in Celebrate Recovery, 
The 12 steps of celebrate recovery. Do you know step one? So important. In fact, I want on your outline or on the screen behind me. This is so important. I want us to all read this out loud together. Step one. Ready? Go. We admit we are powerless over our addiction and that our lives have become unmanageable. See, friends, if if you're going to get free, you have to get real. And I get it. As a pastor, sometimes it's hard to admit that you have a problem. It's embarrassing. Maybe you feel ashamed of yourself. But friends, the truth is, look around this room. Do you realize we're all in the same boat? Every single person here, we all have habits, hurts, and hang-ups in our lives. All of us, including pastors. I'm reminded of the story of three pastors. They, they preached their Sunday morning message, and then after church, they decided to go fishing together. And they're out on the lake, beautiful lake, calm as can be. Fish aren't biting, so they just start talking. And the first pastor says, you know what, guys? I, I just kind of, I just feel safe with you guys, so I'm just going to open up and tell you. I feel so much pressure as a pastor that I have to be perfect all the time that I just started turning to alcohol to deal with the pressure, and I, I think I might be an alcoholic. And the other pastor said, oh my gosh, we're going to pray for you, we're going to support you. And then the second pastor said, hey, since you shared and opened up with, with us, I'm going to share. You know, I, I, I get so stressed out being a pastor, it's so overwhelming that to deal with the stress, late at night I've been sneaking out to the next town. I've been going to the, to, to the casino, and I, I think I have a little gambling addiction. And the pastor says, oh my gosh, we're going to help you. We're going to pray for you. We're going to support you. And then the whole time, the third pastor, he's just sitting in the boat and he's like smiling and he's going, wow, guys, I'm so happy you shared with me because now I feel like I'm safe enough where I could share my addiction with you. He said, I have an addiction and my addiction's called uh, gossip. (laughs) And I can't wait to get back home so I can tell everyone about you. Friends, everybody has habits, hurts, and hang-ups in their life. They affect all of us. And friends, if we're going to get free, we have to get real. That's the G. The E is, would you, would you write this down? The E is examine my life. Examine my life. In the 12-step program for Celebrate Recovery, they call this step four. They say, make a searching and fearless moral inventory of myself. Well, do you know that came right out of the Bible? In Lamentations 3, chapter 40, it says it this way. It says, let us examine our ways and test them and return to the Lord. Now, underline the words examine and test. It just means you take some time out to take stock of your life. And you think about your past. You think about your present. You think about your future. See, you try to understand your past so you don't get stuck there. In fact, can I tell you, next week, we are going to have a great message on how to get past your past. You don't want to miss it. And then your present, you go, man, what's happening in my life right now? What are my true circumstances? And your future, here's what you do. You consider your future. You mean, you, you ask yourself, man, if I keep driving down this same road in my life, Five, ten years from now, am I going to like where it takes me? Am I going to be happy with this road that I'm on? You examine your life. Socrates said it this way. The unexamined life is not worth living. 
Maybe a more modern-day version of that would be Dr. Phil. Dr. Phil says it this way. He asks the question, how's that working for you? <laughs> see, I want you to, I want you to imagine this. Way. Can you imagine that you see someone, they're facing a wall, and they're just banging their head against the wall over and over and over again? And you see the wall's not moving, and the, but the guy, he just keeps on doing After a while, man, his head is just turning to mush, but he keeps on banging. You go, man, that guy's crazy. What's wrong with him? That guy is nuts. Well, do you understand that's what an addiction does? Man, you see people in addiction, and they keep making bad choices over and over and over again. Why do they keep doing that? Ow. <laughs> Ow. See, examining your life, you're going, man, when did this start? Oh, man, back in high school, I was hanging out with all those headbangers, you know? Uh, and then you think about your present. You know, every time I do this, that, that hurts. Why do I keep doing that? And then you think about your present. Man, if, if I keep doing this, I'm going to end up with some very serious drain brain, brain, brain damage. See, I'm getting it already. You, you examine your life. And then, guys, go back to that verse in Lamentations. Let's look at it carefully. Lamentation 340 says, let us examine our ways and test them. And then what? Return to the Lord. Now, some people think, hey, why do you have to bring God into it? You know, why do we have to do the whole God thing? Why can't you just work some steps, get in a program, get clean without God? Can I tell you, it's one of the reasons you got addicted in the first place. Because you did this without God. I promise you, friends, God did not lead you to this. But he's the one that can get you out. He's the one that has the power to get you out. Friends, I want you to understand in Acts 3, 19 and 20, here's the promise. Do you see it? It says, now repent of your sins. Turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. Now, two Two words to underline. Underline the word repent, and then underline the word then, times of refreshment. See, this word repent is not a very PC word in our society today. But do you understand that word repent? We need it. Do you know what the word repent means? It means turn around, change directions. It means you've been going down this road because you thought, you thought, man, I just thought it'd be so fun and so cool, and so life-giving. But man, you examine your ways, and man, you repent. You say, man, this, this is not cool. This is not fun. This is not life-giving. This is, this is a bad road. I repent means I turn around. I'm not going this road anymore. I'm going God's road. See, repent means you turn around. In fact, literally, if you're taking notes, write this down. The word repent in the original Greek means you change your mind. I used to think this way, fun, cool, life-giving. I don't think that way anymore. I'm going to think God's thought. I'm going to go down God's road. See, this idea, going down this bad road, I'm going to turn, and then the T, would you write this out? You turn, you turn to Christ. You turn away from your addiction. You turn to Christ. Friends, aren't you tired of driving your own life? Aren't you tired of crashing your own life? Man, Jesus is right here. He's saying, man, I'll heal you. I'll help you. I'll forgive you if you just let me drive. 
Give me the wheel. Jesus is just waiting to help. See, you turn to a power greater than yourself to help you change because you can't change in your own power. That's why step two in Celebrate Recovery, step two goes like this. We come to believe in a power greater than ourselves can restore us to sanity, can help us stop banging our heads. And that's what God does when you turn to Christ. God says in Isaiah 40, 29, he gives power to the weak and he gives strength to the powerless. And then step three is so key for us. I I want us to read this one out loud together. Let's all do this one together, loud and clear. Step three, make a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. See, that's why if you want to break free and you just get real, you turn to God and say, God, I need your help. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace and your power. And then you do what Romans 6, 12, and 13 says from the Living Bible. It says, don't let sin control your body anymore, but give yourself completely to God. Now, underline this phrase, give yourself completely to God. Because you see, most people, they just want to give their addiction to God. They just want to give their problems to God. But God says, no, it doesn't work that way. See, like, if you want me to come into your life and to set you free, it's an all-in deal. It's a give yourself completely to God. Let me see if I explain it this way. Do you know this afternoon we have a young couple in our church, Corey and Becca. Becca leads our junior high ministry. She is awesome. And then Corey serves on our worship team, and he works with our students. They're getting married this afternoon. Man, it's going to be... Can I tell you, I can't wait to, can you imagine? Now picture their wedding. Becca's in her beautiful wedding gown. Corey's all dressed up in his tux. And Corey goes to give his vows to Becca. Can you imagine if these were Corey's vows? If he said, if Corey said, my dear Becca, I take you to help me with all my problems, to help pay my bills, Get me out of trouble and be there all the times I need you. But I also want to be free to pursue other loves, other interests, and do basically what I want, when I want. But I want to have the benefit of having you at my disposal. Now, how do you think that would go over with Becca? What do you think Becca would say? In the last service, someone said, hell no, (laughs) right? Can I tell you, I know Becca. She wouldn't say a word. She would hit him. She would hit him hard. And then she'd say, hey, listen up, buddy. I love you with all of my heart. And I'm giving you my whole life till death do us part. But if you want to have the honor of having me as your bride, it's an all-in deal. Because marriage is that way. But you know, it's the same way with becoming a christian it's not well god i want you to help me with my problems and be at my disposal and get me out of my messes no jesus said hey i want you to know i went all in for you i took nails for you i shed my blood for you so you could be forgiven i want to come into your life but if you want me it's an all in deal that's what it means to turn to christ and when you do he comes into your life and he gives you his power to help you get free, F-R-E-E.
Do you know the F in free simply means this? Flee from temptation. Flee from temptation. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, says it this way. Run from anything that gives you evil thoughts, but stay close to anything that makes you want to do right. Have faith and love and enjoy the companionship of those who love the Lord and have pure hearts. Now, would you underline that phrase, run from anything? Kind of makes me think of the time Pastor Dwayne and I went camping. Man, we went camping up in the mountains. We set up our tents. We decided to go for a hike. I have my backpack. He has his walking stick. We're walking along. We come to this beautiful meadow. And off in the distance near the forest, man, we see this big old bear. And this bear, he kind of rises up and he's smelling the air. And I think he smelled Dwayne because I'm, I'm good. But he, he sees us and he comes down. He starts running towards us. And Dwayne yells, man, run! And we're running together. And I get in front of Dwayne. But I kneel down, I throw down my pack, and I start pulling out my running shoes. Well, Pastor Dwayne, he doesn't know what to do with that. He's like, Paul, what are you thinking? You, well, I said, how can I put my running shoes on? He said, I don't care how fast you are. It doesn't matter what shoes you're wearing. You can't run faster than a bear. And I just went, I don't have to run faster than a bear. I just have to run faster than you. Because <laughs> I, I love Dwayne. Friends, why did I tell that really bad joke? (laughs) Because you understand your addictions. They are like a hungry bear. Man, they're just chasing after you all the time. And fleeing from temptation means you get real intentional about avoiding, running away, cutting these temptations out of your life. That's what it means to flee. Here's what it means Man, you understand what it's destroying your life, and here's what you do. You say, no more, and you get rid of the cigarettes. They're gone, and you get rid of the alcohol. And for some of you, you got to go home today and clean out. No more. You throw that out, and you say to pornography, you say, honey, I need your help. You need to put a blocker on on my cell phone and on my computers. No more. You cut it out, and if it's shopping addiction, you cut up your credit cards. No more. And if you have an addiction here... I don't know what to tell you because I know I just. But you flee temptation. <laughs> you know, you flee temptation. You find a way to cut it out, and and this is so important to Jesus. This matters so much to Him. You matter so much to Him. That in Matthew five thirty on your outline, He said these words. Even if your right hand causes you to sin, you cut it off. Because it's better to live your life with one hand and go to heaven than, have your both, than to have both hands and live through hell and go to hell. And now you flee. That's the F. The R is you refuse to blame others. You refuse to blame others. And that's hard in our society because we play the blame game all the time. We're a society uh, and a culture of You mess up, blame someone else, and get a lawyer. But I I tell you, the truth is, man, this this blame game, it's as old as Adam and Eve, right? When Adam messed up and sinned, what did he do? He blamed, who did he blame? Well, at first he blamed Eve. Hey, this woman, you know. But actually, you know, he blamed God. Hey, this woman, this woman, you gave me God. It's your, I wonder, 
I wonder who you're blaming today for your issues, your problems, your struggles. You're blaming your parents? You're blaming your spouse, your kids? Are you blaming God? Well, I want you to look at a very powerful verse from Proverbs 19.3 that says this. Some people ruin themselves by their own stupid actions. Then they blame. Then they blame. See, maturity means you take responsibility for your own destiny. You, you're saying, I've got to admit, my addiction caused by my choices is my problem. In fact, if you're taking notes, write this down. Because in order to break a habit and get free from an addiction, I have to quit excusing myself and accusing others. You don't pass the buck. You step up, you own it, and you refuse to blame others. And then the E, perhaps the hardest but most important step, the E is enlist support. Enlist support. Friends, last week I shared with you that God made you in such a way that not only do you need him, but guys, we need each other. We need each other, especially if you're going through a dark season, a difficult problem, or if you're battling addictions. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 says this, two are better off than one because together, if one of them falls down, the other can help him up. But if someone is alone and falls, there's no one to help him passage is a great principle somewhere on the side of your notes write down this principle goes like this never fight alone never fight alone see god doesn't want you to go through your life alone face your problem alone and god knows you will never break an addiction alone on your own now there's a very insightful recovery verse from james 5 16 there on your outline that says this Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be what? Set free. Healed. Now, this verse is telling us that healing includes revealing. It includes letting other people in, letting other people pick you up and pray for you and share life with you. And I'd like to introduce you to someone in our church that got, that's been called by God to help us do just that. So I'd like to invite Mike Conley to come up and join me on the stage as we talk about a brand new ministry we're kicking off called uh, our Celebrate Recovery Groups. So uh, let's welcome Mike, by the way. Thank you, Mike, for being here. <laughs> Guys, I've, I've known Mike for about 20 years, but you don't know him. So, Mike, why don't you just share a little bit of, of your background with us? Sure, Paul. Well, it has been about 20 years. I was, uh, I think, about nine, and you were three when we met. Yeah, so. that's uh... Um, and our problem is uh, lying. Lying, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I grew up, I'm one of the few and the proud that grew up in Fremont. I was born here and raised in Glenmore. I remember when the Fremont Hub was the only show in town to shop, Mervyn's. And uh, I remember when Lake Elizabeth was nothing but marshland. So I go way back, but we moved to Pleasanton when I was about uh, 12 and have lived there all my life. And I uh, have a wife of 22 years, Christine, beautiful wife. Uh, most couples meet in a bar and get married in a church. My wife and I met in a church and got married in a bar, okay? Oh, yeah. We met at a church in Pleasanton similar to Crossroads, and 
the day of our wedding, we were supposed to get married outside at a winery, but it rained that day, so we had to go into the tasting room and share it with wine tasters. It was, it was like a bar. And uh, so we've had three kids, two are in college, and uh, so after my offering this morning, I'm broke for the rest of the week. Yeah, uh, I, I have uh, one in high school, and um, he's the reason we have so much security here in the parking lot. Yeah. Uh, no, just kidding. He's a good kid. So I'm uh, blessed with my family. All right, Mike. Well, Mike, I know that you really love the Lord and Christ is alive in you, but why don't you tell us how you first put your faith in Christ? Okay, well, I uh, grew up going to the Catholic Church several times a year here in Fremont, and uh, that continued all through my 20s. And then my brother Steve invited me to the grand opening service of a church in Pleasanton, very similar to Crossroads in so many ways. Awesome teaching and uh, music and, and uh, people. So uh, I remember at that first service, I was 29, and that was the first time I ever heard the term personal relationship with Christ. Never heard it before. And uh, knew that there was something here that people had that I wanted. And so that became a, a one-year quest for me of uh, discovering who Christ was. I joined a Bible study, began to uh, meet other Christ followers, reading the Bible, And after a year uh, at a a men's retreat, crossed the line of faith, became a Christ follower at 30, and have been pretty much a devoted Christ follower ever since then, 26 years. Awesome, Mike. Well, Mike, we both know that you can become a Christian, and you can lead a life of trying to follow Christ, and you can still fall into an addiction. So I'd like you to kind of share, like, when your addiction became, like, you hit a low point in your addiction, and you kind of went like, man, I got a problem here, and I need to get some help. Well, um, after I became a Christ follower, I felt the call to full-time ministry, and uh, that's the only way you, you get into ministry, Paul, right? You get, a, you get a calling that you can't uh, say no to, and so after five years, found a way to sell my business, go into ministry, went through seminary, on staff at a church, and then they helped plant uh, me uh, as a, a pastor of a new church, along with you, we helped helping you us. And so here I'm the pastor of a church, and the way I like to do it was start my message preparation on Monday and be done by Tuesday evening, no matter how late I had to work, just so I didn't have it hanging over me and so I could let it percolate throughout the week. And, uh, I'm the same way, Mike. I start on Monday, and I'm done by Saturday. <laughs> I, I, I wish I could be done by Tuesday, but you're, you, you did it, man. So every pastor's different. But the, uh, so anyway, it was uh, Tuesday night about uh, midnight, and I hear a knock on the church window because I'm in my church office. So I go out, and it's a man. Uh, I let him in, and he says, uh, Pastor Mike, I've been coming to your church for a few weeks, and uh, it's been a blessing. But I'm an alcoholic, and it's been about three weeks since I've had a drink. And tonight, I really feel like a drink. And I just was driving by. I saw the light on in the church. I saw a car in the parking lot, and I took a chance. And I said, Brother, you're in the right place. Let's pray. So I prayed for him that he would resist that temptation of drinking. And uh, uh, gave him my mighty prayer, sent him on his way, and uh, went back into my office shut the door, and went onto the computer and visited those same female websites 
that had enslaved me for about four years, about twice a week, a couple hours at a time. And at the end of that session, I said, this is it. I, I quit. Here, I just prayed for a man to resist his temptation, his greatest temptation, and then I go in, shut my door, and cave into my own. God, you got to help me. And I'd prayed that a oh, hundred times probably to get to help him get me out of pornography. And uh, that was my rock bottom. I didn't get caught. I didn't get busted. I didn't get arrested or fired. It was what they call a soft rock bottom. But I just couldn't stand the hypocrisy. Right. Well, that kind of sets you on a road to recovery. And why don't you talk us, to us about your recovery and how that's led you here today? Well, that's, that's the miracle. I... <clears throat> Thank God for that man, wherever he is, because uh, from that point forward, my life uh, really kind of went from black and white as a Christian to technicolor. I confessed to my wife; she had no idea uh, that day, and uh, went into a four-day seminar called "Every Man's Battle" that uh, uh, showed me it could be done. Um, it's I got uh, to hear the term sobriety for the first time. And from there, I went into a weekly men's group that uh, I've been meeting with for 12 years. But it was last year, about this time, when I said, God, I'm in a rut spiritually and, uh, frankly, with my recovery. My recovery has been good, but not perfect. And so I said, Lord, give me some signs. I'll do the work. You just got to give me some signs, though. And uh, I'm so thankful he led me to Crossroads. I've been here at this church a year and I love this church. I love the, my pastors and uh, everything about this place. And Pastor Dwayne said, Mike, this is when I first started attending, there is a, uh, a program called Celebrate Recovery. doesn't meet here, but it meets across town at another church. Check it out because we're thinking of starting it here at Crossroads later in the year. So I just finished my nine-month, it's called a step study, at uh, a church across town. Uh, with Celebrate Recovery, and it's been phenomenal. Shows you how to overcome all these things up on the wall with not just a higher power, the higher power, Jesus Christ. Amen. And uh, I am... So I'm just an example of how God wants to take your biggest weakness, the thing you're most ashamed of, and make it your biggest ministry someday. So it's become my ministry, and this fall we're starting Celebrate Recovery for all hurts, hang-ups, and habits right here at Crossroads. All right, Mike. Let's give Mike a hand. Thank you, buddy. Great job, man. And guys, I want to let you know Mike's going to be available after the service. He has a table set out upside if you want to... A table set up outside if you have some questions for him or want to sign up for a group. Uh, he's available for you. But this idea of, of enlisting support and his story, it leads us to the final E in get free. And that's, and would you write this down? It's simply this, enter recovery today. Not tomorrow, not next week, not when it's more convenient. Enter recovery Today, 2 Corinthians 6.2 says this, For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is when? Now. 
Today is the day of salvation. Underline that phrase, today is the day. This very day, God is saying to you, you're not here in this place by accident. I see you. I know you. I love you. I'm reaching out to you. And I brought you here because today is your day to choose to get free. In fact, guys, here's what I want to give you a chance to do that right now. I'm going to ask all of you to close your eyes, bow your head. You've done such a great job just listening so beautifully. You did it, taking a deep breath, just... And with your eyes closed, I want to dare you to dream again. Can you imagine that if somehow, by a miracle of God, one year from today, you are sitting right here in the same seat, but you're free. You're a new man, a new woman from the inside out. You're clean and clear. You're free from all drugs and alcohol. You are smoke-free or porn-free, addiction-free. Friends, what would your life look like? How would it bless your family, your marriage, your relationships, your health? To be free from the guilt and shame because you know you're forgiven by God. You're right with him. And I want you to picture yourself. You just have this new joy, this new confidence for life. Your, your soul is vibrant and healthy again. And not only that, do you see it? That when you look yourself in the mirror, you see a trophy of God's grace because God is beginning to use you to help others get free. Well, friends, if you're here today and you would like that dream to come true, I'm just going to ask you, would you extend a hand toward God right now? Lift up your hand to him because I want to pray for you right now. And with hands all over this room, just would you pray in your heart and say, God, I begin today. No more excuses, no more blaming. God, I accept responsibility for my own sins and shortcomings. God, I'm reaching out to you because you're my loving and gracious and forgiving father. Just in your heart, say, Jesus, the best way I know how, ask you to forgive my sins, come into my heart, and take over, because I'm going all in for you. Say, Father God, help me detox my soul, and make me healthy again. Lord, in faith, I want to ask you to heal my life, and use me to help other people. And I'm reaching my hand to you and trusting you to take me down a new road to a new life in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. If, friends, today is your day. It's a new day. God has a new beginning for you.